Good morning. Man, it is good to be here with you guys today. As Adam said, usually we have teaching via video live stream from our North Richland Hills campus. And we'll be starting a new series next week called Cosmic Christmas. Hope you'll join us next week as we get ready uh, to hear from Rick on that uh, next week. Uh, but we have a lot to be thankful for this weekend as we're coming off of Thanksgiving. Uh, just thankful for that harvest offering number that Adam just mentioned, over $2.5 million that's gonna go to fund uh, our missionaries, church plants, Bible translations that we're working on uh, to help fund our mission, as, our vision as we ask for nations and generations. And so thank you for participating in that. And then as I'm sitting up here looking at you guys today, I'm thankful for this new campus. Uh, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to preach from this stage, even though some of you go, man, you preach to us every week. Uh, but but my, my great opportunity to be with you today and thankful for that. Because one of the things that we don't take for granted is the opportunity to be in leadership of this church. And our leaders have recently throughout this summer and leading into this fall, spent some time in a book called Extreme Prayer. In fact, we spent a Saturday with the author of that book and really just looking at what Jesus promises us in scripture about the prayers that we pray and how he would answer those prayers. And so our leadership, on a Wednesday night, spent some time just saying, if we could ask of any extreme prayer that God would answer for our campus, what would it be? What would be the prayer request we would have for this campus? And that night, as we walked out of that room, it was this simple prayer request that our campus would grow deeper in discipleship, that we would become deeper followers of Jesus, and I want you to let that sink in just for a second as your elders and your staff gets together and says, what would we ask of God? Knowing that God can answer any prayer that we ask, what extreme prayer request would we have? And it would be simply that we would look more like Jesus. Not that this campus would get bigger, not that we'd have more money, but that we would grow to look more like Jesus, that we would be followers of Jesus. And as we walked away that night, I, I had this one verse in my mind, and it's out of Galatians 4.19, when Paul says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Now, I'm no dummy, I've taught long enough that I'm gonna be real careful and tread lightly on this scripture about labor pains, okay? Because I've never had a baby. I've not gone through labor pains. Paul didn't either, right? In fact, he was single. I've been in the delivery room three times with Stacy, And I looked at a lot of videos you've seen about men like going through the motions with, with uh, things on their stomach that make them act like they're feeling like they're going through labor pains. And I was gonna show that and laugh about it, but I didn't want women to think that I was making light of labor pain. So I'm gonna be real careful in what I say. But Paul was talking to some people that he had helped grow closer to Christ and he was seeing them step back into their old ways. And he's addressing that in the book of Galatians. He's saying, man, I'm gonna keep striving for you 
like I'm going through labor pains until Christ is fully developed in you. And I can relate to that. I've been a minister here at the Hills for 30 years. As I look out on you guys today, some of you were in my youth group. I was your youth minister. I've been working alongside you for your faith for 30 years. When I got out of youth ministry and I moved into working with young couples, a lot of you, I've done your weddings, I've done your premarital counseling. I've seen you go through ups and downs in your marriages with your kids. In 30 years, I've been in a lot of hospital rooms. I've sat at a lot of graveside services. And I've labored with you as you strive to look more and more like Jesus. And so I can understand to a degree what Paul's saying when he's saying that he's going through labor pains until Christ is fully developed in you. Because there's nothing more as your campus pastor that I want for you than for Christ to be fully developed in you. Certain translations may say, say until he's formed in you, until you're transformed to look more like Christ. You see, that's why I became a minister in the first place. Because as a child and as a teenager, as Jesus became more and more real to me, I saw how he transformed my life. How I went from a lukewarm Christian that proclaimed Jesus, but acted every other way possible in private. How I would call on the name of Jesus publicly, but, but then curse men with my same mouth. And I saw this transformation that was possible in my life, and I wanted to walk alongside other people for that transformation to happen in them as well. That's why I love our mission of the Hills Church, our mission to make and grow followers of Jesus. And yet I think I say that every week as I host and we claim that mission. I think sometimes it can just become rote to us. And so I wanna remind you today that that mission comes straight from Jesus's mouth to his disciples. In Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus gave us all the mission, the great commission, but practically at the hills, what this means for us is that our mission is for everyone to become a disciple of Jesus and for those that are to look more like Jesus every day. That's our mission, that everyone would become a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said that disciples would be baptized in his name. And there's people that come here week after week that I know have never been baptized. You've never made that decision to proclaim Jesus publicly, have your sins washed away in the waters of baptistry and be raised to a new life with the Holy Spirit living in you and to proclaim, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And that's where our mission starts. And so the pains that we go through that Christ would be formed in you, they begin that you would just say yes to Jesus. Be a disciple, be a follower and proclaim that in the waters of baptistry.
But we don't want to stop there. After you've become a disciple, we want you to keep developing to look more and more like him. And we desire this so much, it's like we're going through labor pains. Because our desire is so deep for you, because deep faith is necessary in the times that we live in right now. When I think about the world that my kids are gonna continue to live in after I'm gone and that my grandkids are being raised in right now, it's so pivotal to have a faith that isn't shaken when it's tested, when it's questioned, when times get hard. And that's the world we live in. But discipleship isn't something that we want from you. It's not just something else to add to your list, but it's what we want for you. Looking like Jesus isn't something that we do, it's what we are becoming, and it should be life-giving. It shouldn't be that week after week we come into church and it's just like, oh, well, here we go again. But be forming into the vision and mission of Jesus Christ is life-giving because Jesus came to give us life and that we would have it to the full. One of the things that I've been leaning on lately is Jesus' words in Matthew 18, where he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. How do you look more like Jesus? You let Jesus teach you. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So when we talk about deep discipleship and looking more and more like Jesus, it's not just one other thing to wear you down, but it's Jesus that's saying, come to me when you're weary and you're heavy. Let me give you rest because my burden is light. And Jesus has so much in store for us, church, as we become to look more and more like him. So I've got a big task ahead of me today, which is in one sermon to unpack how you become a deeper disciple of Jesus. Let me just go ahead and uh, let you know I'm not gonna get it done in one sermon. So I'm pretty simple-minded, so my hope today was to give us some first steps that we could take along that path that hopefully would encourage us today as we walk down this road together. And so three steps to deeper discipleship. The first step that I wanted to give you today is to spend time with God. Now, I know you've heard that in church a hundred times, that you need to spend more time with God. But I've been convicted even more of this this fall as my small group's been going through a study on Mark. And as I'm reading through Mark, time and time again, early just in the first six chapters, we see Jesus in his busiest times going to spend time with his father. In his busiest times. You see, I don't know about you, but in my busiest times, I think I'm too busy to spend time with God. But if you look with me in Mark chapter one, verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. That text it starts with before daybreak the next morning. See, the day before he had been healing people. He'd been casting out demons. This was the start of his ministry and his popularity was at a rise. 
And the next morning, the disciples are looking for him because everybody's demanding him. And, and if they're his PR firm, they're like, there's no better time right now. We've got to strike while the iron is hot. And they can't find him. And where is he? Spending time with God. He's out with the Lord. And if Jesus is the son of God needed to do this, how much more do we need to do it? So if we're gonna grow as disciples, we have to spend time with God. And as I'm talking to you today, I'm talking to me, please know that. Because this is one of the things that I know I need to do, but as I get busier and busier, it's harder to do. Because I think it's unproductive to go sit before the Lord, right? When people are demanding things of me, when my success depends on how hard I can work, but to stop down and spend time with the Lord. So in the mornings right now, I'm trying to spend time in God's word every day. Some days that looks longer than other days, but I'm wanting to spend time with him every morning. I use a devotional that helps me be with him called New Morning Mercies. And I'll read that every day and it leads me to a text and I'll spend time in that text. And then one of the things that's harder and harder for me to do in this world is just to be silent before the Lord, to hear from him. I don't know about you, but I've always got noise going on. We sleep with a sound machine with white noise. We don't even sleep in silence. My radio's always on, the TV's always on. And when do I hear from God? But maybe you're like me and you think, well, I'll do that when? When I'm not so busy, when my kids get older, when I'm at a different phase of life. But let me remind you that our life is fleeting. James 4.14 says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life will be like a morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. You see, there's no guarantee that the next phase of life will be any slower than the one we're in right now because here's what I've learned. My selfishness travels with me to whatever phase of life I go to. I'm the constant. And so even as an empty nester, I don't seem to have any more time now than I did when my kids were little. And those of you with little kids right now are going, oh, come on, give us some hope. But time with God is vital to hear who we are, who you are, you're precious in his sight and what he desires from you. How can we know what God wants us to be like if we're not in his word, if we're not listening to him? But we will only hear this if we create space for it. So my second point for you today is you've got to say no to some things on our schedule. We've got to say no to some things on our schedule. Now, this is where you came to church and you went, now you're going to get personal, right? Busyness is the number one obstacle to deep discipleship. Whenever we said, what is the number one prayer request we have for our church is that we would grow deeper in discipleship. We knew the problem that we would have that we have to pray against is busyness. You know, the most committed church members now come to church at the most about twice a month because of busyness. We are tired and overwhelmed. Anytime that I'm in our small group and we talk about how we're really doing, it's how stressed we are. It's how worn out we are. 
And so Jesus said that he had rest for our souls. Instead of rest for our souls, we have stress for our souls. And Rick's gonna be doing a series in January on saving your soul that's about rest for your soul. And I can't wait for that series. And I know it's gonna be so good for our church to hear because I feel like we're mentoring the next generation in how to live stressed out. Do you know right now more kids and students are in counseling and on medication for stress and anxiety than ever before? In fact, I saw a number that 8 million kids 17 and under have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression in our world right now. We're living at a pace that isn't sustainable. And what's it gonna take for us to change it? I read this quote by Wayne Muller that said, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath, our pneumonia, our cancer, our heart attack, our accidents, they create Sabbath for us. And I've seen that lived out when we're forced to slow down. And I think of the 23rd Psalm that he makes us lie down in green pastures. But we don't wanna have to wait until it gets to that point, but our schedules are too full. And Jesus warned us of this in the parable of the sower. He talked about different types of soil, the hard soil, the shallow soil. But the soil that I think we struggle with being more than any is the crowded soil. See in Mark 4 verse 18, he says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. See, a great crop, great faith can't be produced with all the competition in the soil. And today I'm afraid that Jesus has just become one option among many options in our lives. And he's fighting for competition in our lives so it's hard to grow. And the tragedy of this scripture is where it says, no fruit is produced. And what were the things, worries of life, lure of wealth and desire for other things? And when I think of my own life, my discipleship is stunted by those very same things, by the lure of wealth that I wanna work and provide for myself as I get closer and closer to retirement. The worries of life. I know I probably shouldn't say this because I ought to have it all figured out, but I wake up at three in the morning and I start worrying about things. Worrying about how I can pastor you better. Worried about the world, worried about things in my life. And Jesus can't grow in my life when I've got all these other things going on. And it's not that we don't grow because we don't want to, but it's impossible for us to grow because the soil is too crowded with other things. And when I think of the lives that we live and I think of the lives that some of you live that start at four or five in the morning and go through your work day and then your kids' activities. You know, my five-year-old grandson was asked to be on a flag football team recently because somebody saw how fast he was in 
in a recess, right? He's getting recruited as a five-year-old. And if we play this out, we would say, well, if he doesn't play right now, he won't get that scholarship later in life. And so our kids are playing two and three sports at the same time. They're getting home late at night. They've got homework to do and they're worn out. But we don't say no because we feel like we want them to be happy. Parents, I've got to tell you today, happy kids isn't your goal. Kids that grow up to look like Jesus Christ is your goal. That they would be formed in the image of Jesus Christ. And not that there's bad things All of these things aren't bad things. It may just be that they're not the right things right now. So my daughter and my son-in-law said no to that flag football team because it's on Saturday mornings and that's the only time they have together. And to drive across the Metroplex for their five-year-old to play flag football didn't make sense. And I'm so proud of them that they would do that. But we're gonna have to make some hard decisions to say no to some things on our calendar but the fruit that is produced is worth the work. I don't know if a gardening story on soil is lost on you, but I grew up in Oklahoma on five acres and we had this big garden that me and my grandfather would plant every year. And that garden took work. And once it would start growing, we'd have to pull weeds. And then there were bugs that would get on the plants and we'd have to go through and pull off bugs and throw them in this probably environmentally safe, but in a can of gasoline that we would throw these bugs in. And then we would have to water and we'd have to till the soil again. And to be honest with you, I hated the work. But when we'd sit down at the end of the year and we'd eat that okra, we'd eat that corn, we'd eat those green beans, those potatoes, all the hard work was worth it. And y'all, when we do the hard work of saying no to some things on our calendar so we can look more like Jesus, it's gonna be worth it. But here's the last key is that the reason that gardening worked so well for me was that I did it with my grandfather. And I wanna let you know that a third step to deeper discipleship is for you to live it out with other Christ followers. Live it out with other Christ followers. Jesus' disciples developed in community. They saw miracles, they performed healings. They fought as they were walking along about who would be the greatest. They denied Christ. They saw him betrayed. They did all of this in community, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, the good, bad, and the ugly. But in doing it, their faith was formed. It worked towards their faith development that they could carry out the great commission. And you see, transformation happens in authentic, transformational community, transparent community. And we're seeing that happen in our church right now, in rooted groups, in gathered groups for women, in our radical mentoring groups for men, in community groups, in Celebrate Recovery. Stories are being shared. And when these stories are being shared, they're being met with grace and forgiveness And when they're met that way, then we see it in other people. We start to believe that God could see us the same way. I've been in rooted groups before that we share our story and somebody will share their story and they'll hold back. They won't tell everything because they're not quite sure how it'll be received. 
And then throughout the years, somebody else tells their story and more stories. I've had them say, can I tell my story again? Because there's things I want to share now that I haven't shared yet. Because we're changed in community. We realize that we can be fully known and fully loved. And church, I want you to know that. As you're becoming to look more and more like Jesus, it's not that you're perfect. It's not that you have it all figured out. It's that you're growing to look more like him each and every day. And he greets you with love and grace and forgiveness because he knows you fully and he still loves you. He sent his son to die for you. So you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this that we would look more like Jesus, that we would be deeper disciples of Jesus. So I wanna close with another plea from Paul, another verse where he's urging in Romans 12, verse one and two. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me urge with Paul in this verse, I urge you, brothers and sisters, this community that we have together, in view of God's mercy, knowing you spend time with God and knowing that he knows you and fully loves you, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You're not forced to do this. You're offering it. It's a gift to God that you're giving back because of his mercy, because you're loved. You're gonna offer everything that you have for him. And that's your spiritual act of worship. Not coming in here and sitting and singing each Sunday. That's worship and we need to do that. But your true worship is offering your life to God. Don't conform to the pattern of this world any longer. Say no to some things on your schedule. So you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will look more and more like Jesus. It's our greatest prayer request. It's the greatest request. And so I'm gonna end today differently than we usually do. I'm gonna end, I'm gonna pray for you. But I'm gonna ask you, our elders are gonna be down front in case you wanna say yes and be a disciple today in case you wanna come together and ask somebody to pray for you today. But even where you are, I want you to respond today with asking, what's my step? Is my step that I spend more time with God? Is it that I would have discernment on what I need to say no to on my calendar? Or is it that you would get involved in life-changing transformational community? I'd like for you to ask God to do that with you as I pray for you. And then at the end, as this song is sung, it's not a traditional, let's leave all fired up. It's a reminder of God's love for us. Maybe there's somebody next to you that you just wanna ask to pray with. Maybe you need to speak it, what it is that you wanna do differently today. I just know that God's gonna do something in this room as we respond. So would you stand up as I pray and then we'll continue to worship. Oh, Father, God, that we would be formed as disciples of yours, that we would look more and more like Jesus. God, that's our prayer today. 
But God, we know that it won't be easy. We know that there's things that are gonna have to happen in our lives, that we're gonna have to tend to the soil, God, that we would spend more time with you, that we would say no to some things on our schedule. God, that we would get involved in community. And God, when we as a leadership pray extreme prayers, we know this is an extreme prayer that we're asking you to answer. God, because it's hard to say no. These are good things that we fight for in our lives. Our time is precious. Being in a group and sharing our deepest secrets is scary, God. But God, we wanna look more like your son, Jesus. So it's my prayer today that whatever would hold us back in this room today, that you would tear it down. God, that the enemy would be far from us. And right now, as we worship together, that we would hear from you that we are loved. We are fully known. And that we would be more like you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.